Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Peter Gabbett Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Timothy Hankst, and today is June 7th, 2020, which means I'm on day 176 in a row of 365 promised episodes. It brings you unedited, unscripted, improv, news, movies, music, sports, food, entertainment, and all things except politics. Folks, I got to give a birthday shout out to a guy who I have known for so many years, all the way back since me and this kid were absolutely inseparable. We would play baseball together. We would practice for fun together when we were off the field. We would exchange baseball cards. We would stay at each other's houses and talk about baseball and the players. We were obsessed with the sport. We would watch the games together. This guy goes by the name of Nick Barr. He was one of my best friends for many years. It was probably on me that we slowly drifted apart because I became a total dick for that portion of my life. When I got into my early teen years, just the way I was, I, I'm just not, I wasn't a nice person. I didn't even deserve a friend like him. Great guy, absolute family man. Wonderful dude, has grown into an adult I am seriously proud of. Dude, congratulations to you, Nick Barr, and a happy birthday. I can't believe how far we've come since those days when we were young and we had a baseball team, maybe even a couple, maybe even three that I played on the same team as him. His dad was the assistant coach. My dad would be an assistant coach. They were friends. We were friends. I was friends with his older sister. I'm telling you, this guy is a cool dude, and we had some awesome memories together. So happy birthday to you, sir. I hope it is a very special one. UFC 250 was amazing yesterday, folks, with what I expected occurring in the main event with Amanda Nunes beating the absolute crap out of Felicia Spencer, but I have to stop here and say Felicia Spencer lasted all five rounds with her face being reorganized by Amanda Nunez's fist the entire time, and I think by the end, Nunez actually stopped punching her and let the time roll out in the last 30 seconds of the fifth round because she felt bad for how much she had pummeled Felicia Spencer. I mean, this girl took such a beating for 25 minutes. I could not have sustained or with withstood even like a fraction of the beating that she took without crying and looking like a little bitch that I am compared to Felicia Spencer. I mean, my props go to Spencer on this fight, 100%. I mean, I got to admit, Nunez is clearly the most dominant female fighter in the UFC in all time. The GOAT, if you will. She is the greatest of all time female fighter, probably in all of MMA. The most dominant. She's won the most defending her belt fights. She has two belts in two different weight classes at the same time. Nunez is the best, but with that being said, Felicia Spencer showed a level of toughness that I have barely ever seen in my life. 
in the UFC world, and she deserves everyone's respect for this. I cannot believe, like, I can't even imagine the medical bill that she's going to have for them to rearrange her face back to the way it was supposed to look. She had a hematoma explosion on her forehead that looked like the one Joanna Yedjercheck sustained where her head just had a whole new mountain range on top of it. And yet she still kept fighting. It was an amazing battle. And the Cody Garbrandt fight right before that against Rafael Alassano, or whatever the guy's name is. You know, I can't say the guy's last name. It was hard to say. But Rafael versus Cody Garbrandt was at first a little dance between two guys who didn't want to touch each other. They wouldn't get anywhere near each other, and I was bored out of my mind. And I was just waiting for something magical to happen, and then it did. Cody Garbrandt bent all the way down and lifted up his fist and his body in one quick motion and knocked the lights out of Rafael, and that guy was unable to even sit in a chair afterward. He kept falling over. They had to drag him out of the octagon because he was so incoherent after the knockout he sustained from the hand of Cody Garbrandt. It was amazing. So the main event and the co-main event were on point yesterday. Well worth the pay-per-view payment to get those fights. All the prelims were fantastic. I saw not a single fight that I was disappointed with. And once again... Dana White has come through with an extremely entertaining batch of sports for us to watch during a time where there's none. Thank you, sir. I admire you for that, and I enjoyed the fights to the highest degree. RV rentals are up, like big time. And it's because people are afraid to get on a plane to go on vacation. They don't want to get the COVID-19 You know, they don't want to have to wear a mask the whole time they're in the sky. They just don't want to wait in the long, extensive lines at the airport that are there now because they're temperature checking and doing all this additional crap. So people have taken to the road and decided, let's do a family trip to a place not so far away. They're realizing that they live in areas that have cool spots to check out that aren't too far for them to drive to. You know, if you live in Arizona or Nevada or New Mexico, you can go to multiple places within driving distance that are awesome and won't take you too long. You know, you've got Hoover Dam in Nevada. You've got the Grand Canyon in Arizona. You've got the Pueblo settlements that the Native Americans lived on the side of a cliff in New Mexico. Here in California, we have a lot of options. Yosemite, we've got Tahoe, you know, which connects over there to Nevada anyway. On our way to Vegas, if we choose to do so. We've got, obviously, the border to the south of us, although that's taking kind of a high chance right now because they're kind of struggling with the COVID down there. But we've got many choices here. Mountains, rivers, lakes, places you can camp. You got to get out into the outdoors and remind yourself 
that a vacation isn't always about skyscrapers and lounging on a beach with thousands of other people right next to you. You know, a vacation isn't always a theme park with roller coasters. It can be getting out there, fishing with your friends, or camping with your family, you know, or just going out and taking a drive. Do it. Enjoy yourself. You deserve it. Get back with nature because that is good for your soul. You know, it's a cleansing thing. It, it makes you sane again to be cooped up in our houses and then hop into a plane and go to somebody else's house in another state. I mean, it's all the same thing. Just get outside and have a good time because that's what we all need to do to regain our sanity. A man in Australia, 60 years old, died from a shark bite to his thigh from a 10-foot great white shark. But he didn't die right away. He actually got saved temporarily by some other surfers who fought off the shark. I don't know how that's possible and who these hardcore badass surfers are, but they are some good friends to have. I mean, if you're like about to get robbed in an alleyway, these guys aren't scared. They fought off a great white shark with surfboards. Like, these dudes are total badasses. Sadly, the 60-year-old man who was dragged to the beach to receive first aid did die right then and there. He perished, and that's sad. But at least his memory will live on in his absolutely badass surfer homies who are willing to take on a shark to save their friend. I mean, jeez, I can't even get somebody to hold a door open for me. These guys have friends that are fighting off great white sharks for them. How awesome is that? You know, people in Australia are just a little harder than, than most, you know? It all started with... The Crocodile Dundee. You know the old, that's not a knife. Now that's a knife. And he pulls out basically a machete in his pocket, which is gigantic. I mean, they've been through tougher things. They grow up with, you know, crocodiles and all these things around them that are just making them a little bit more hardened of an individual. And in this case, they fought off a shark. No big deal. You know, oh, this shark's attacking our friend. We're going to handle this. Swim out there, beat this shark up, take their friend ashore and see what happens. Again, the guy sadly passed away and that, that sucks. But I got to say, these dudes are totally hardcore surfers and you know, I'm, I'm afraid to even stand up on a surfboard. Now, I don't like the water here because I'm afraid of the microorganisms in it. These guys aren't afraid of a 10-foot killer shark. I need to be more like them. Now, this is crazy. A Belgian man has been receiving pizzas sent by a mysterious individual to his home, prepaid for, for over a decade. Sometimes four or five separate deliveries in a single day to this guy's address. This dude says he not only receives pizzas, but also other fast food items 
and he has no idea why or who is doing this. And it's been going on for over a decade. He says sometimes it'll happen seven days in a week. Every day he'll get a delivery of prepaid food to his house that he didn't order. And he says he doesn't need the food. He's not broke. He doesn't know who could be doing this because he doesn't have any rich friends. But he does have a friend who lives 20 miles away from him and has the same thing happen to him as well. Random paid-for deliveries of food show up at his friend's house too with no explanation. The guy says it's tormenting him to the extent in which when he hears the sound of a delivery scooter on his street, he begins to shake nervously. Now, I don't know why you would be tormented by this. I would love to hear that sound, knowing that somebody is going to deliver me a whole bunch of free food again. I would wait for that noise every single day. I would invite friends over to eat this food if I didn't even like it. I would start selling it to people next to me. It'd be like half price, fresh pizza from the place you usually order from and you don't have to pay full price and it's already here. I mean, line up some sort of service where you now flip that food that you get and make some cash off of it. Man, this is every person's dream. You are sitting back in your house thinking, what am I eating tonight? And here comes this guy on a scooter with, at one point, he said, 14 pizzas in one delivery were sent to his home. 14. I don't think I've ever ordered that many pizzas. And if I received 14 paid-for pizzas to my house, you better believe I'd be throwing a pizza party. It would be like in grade school when they're like, oh, if you guys do really well on these next tests, we're going to have a pizza party. And what they meant by that was... Instead of the last hour of school that day being full of history or science or whatever, they would let you sit and eat pizza before you go home. You know, it's, it's not a pizza party. But a real pizza party is when 14 free pizzas get delivered to your house and nobody is there to claim that they bought them for you. So this guy now assumes that somebody he may be related to or has known him for more than 10 years, since it's been going on for over a decade has been paying for these secretly as like a big fat joke, but they must have a lot of money to blow. Because just think, like every other day, at the very least, sometimes multiple times in a day, this guy gets deliveries from, from somewhere. You know, whatever food place sends him the food that's already paid for, and whoever paid for it has been blowing tons of money on this. But I got to say, for this guy to be tormented by this, I mean, you got problems, man. You be getting free pizza all day. You should be happy as heck. <laughs> Folks, it is time for the portion of the Peter Gabbett podcast we all love so dearly, and that is Real Stories, brought to you by Peter Timothy Hankston Bar, B-Q-S-I-O-N. That's B-B-Q-U-S-I-O-N. And today, folks, I'm going to tell you the story about when I was 14 years old. And there was a girl who lived right up the street from me by the name of Alicia Smith. Now this girl, she was known in the neighborhood as a girl with huge boobs. She just was. 
she was like 16 or 17, so a few years older than me. You know, went to the same high school as me. Everyone knew Alicia Smith had big boobs, and everyone wanted to see him and squeeze him. So, for some reason or another, I ended up at her house, and my friend at the time, Mike Moore, who owned a Ford Bronco Eddie Bauer edition, I've, I've told a couple stories about this guy before, uh, he wasn't really my friend, we just kind of used him because he could drive, he was 16, he had a vehicle, and, you know, other than that, he was a really rude individual, not a great friend overall either. He would backstab you at any given time if it benefited him. So, you know, we used him and he used us. We were the popular kids. He wasn't. He had a vehicle. We didn't. Well, we were only 14. So one day he was just, you know, hitting on this girl, just begging for anything from her, just trying to, you know, spit some game at a Alicia, Alicia Smith who lived up the street from me. And she came up with a crazy idea. And it was, if I drove her manual vehicle successfully, then she would flash me her boobs. Now, you know, at the time, I'm 14. I've probably seen five sets of boobs at the time. And maybe only three that weren't accidental, like people that I didn't want to see them, you know, things like that. And maybe only three desired sets of breasts that I actually laid my eyes on physically in person. Now, I had seen porn, and I'd seen Hustler magazines and other things like that, but, but this was, you know, an older girl from my high school offering me this, and I was like, I can't believe it. Now, I might not even have been 14. I might have been 13, because I had never driven anything at this point much less a manual, which I had no idea how it worked. I didn't know there was a balance between the clutch and the gas, and you would have to really only use the brake if there was somebody coming up like fast to you, and other than that, you just kind of slow down by shifting gears down. And I had no idea how any of this worked. I was like worried for my life. My heart was racing, but I knew I had to do this to accomplish the drive so that I could see some really nice titties. So, I got into her car. And I didn't even really know how to start this thing. I turned the, you know, I, I turned the ignition key and I started it up and I put my foot on the brake and then I just looked down at this gear shifter and I'm like, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do here. And she had an old car that basically you couldn't even see the numbers anymore as to which was first gear and, you know, what was reverse and neutral and anything. So I was clueless, but I just thought I have to get this done. So I reached deep into my memory banks of all the times I had seen race car movies, NASCAR races, which wasn't very much, but once or twice in my life, IndyCar, video games, anything that I knew would give me a boost of knowledge for how to drive a manual vehicle. And I got that thing going up the street pretty nicely until I roasted the clutch and started to panic and I had no idea what was going on and I slammed on the brake and everybody was scared that was in the car, which happened to be multiple people. I don't know why they would want to drive with me. That was a dumb choice by them, but they did. And at the end... I looked over to her and 
my face said it all. Was this enough to see your glorious boobs? You know, was this what you expected? You know, please help me realize what I must do. And she gave me a look of acceptance that I knew meant I was about to be the happiest young lad on that whole street. And sure enough, she slowly lifted her shirt, undid her bra, and unveiled to me what, to this day, because of my skewed memory of it, was one of the best sets of breasts I've ever seen in my life. And I was just, you know, awestruck at what I was peering at right there. I was, I, I couldn't believe it. I, this was the greatest moment of my man portion of my life in being a man. And I just felt like, how cool was I that I just did this? You know, I drove that car, no problem. I was like, yo, I got this. Hopped in, you know, took it for a spin and bam, got to see what I wanted to see. Now I think back and realize that I am truly and absolutely pathetic. And so was that girl, you know, because what did she gain out of this? I don't even know why she wanted me to do this, you know. Oh, let's take the chance of crashing your car so that you have to flash your breasts to me. Well, that doesn't make any sense. She must have been a, what we call a skank. But either way, great memory, fantastic occurrence. To this day, I don't think I've actually driven a manual car. Because every car that I've had since then has been an automatic. And it seems like they very seldom... People don't really have manual transmission anymore unless they have some like souped up sick race car they want no one to drive except them anyways. And I've only ever owned automatics. You know, it's just the way it is. It's more convenient to me. Plus, you know, I've usually had family vehicles or, you know, nothing fancy. So I think that might have been the only time I actually drove a manual transmission car and I did not do it very successfully, but I did make a great memory out of it. And for that, Alicia Smith, I thank you. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what you look like, but I have a memory that I'm going to keep in my mind of the way you look for the rest of my life. And that's good enough. Lesson to be learned here, folks, is do not do stupid things in order to see boobies. It is not worth it. You could be risking your life. Surprised that I've made it to the age I have with all the stupid decisions I've made. Thank you very much for listening to the Peter Gabbett Podcast today, folks. It means the world to me to have listeners like you. It's a beautiful day out. Get out there. Enjoy yourselves. Have some fun. And I will talk to you tomorrow.